0: Because rather than allowing bitterness to take root, the love of Jesus uh, has done and is doing a work in you. um, Because you could have gotten rid of the so-called white man's God, but you were able to look beyond um, the abuses, your people, and see Jesus, see the Lord in all of his love. Uh, We're honored to stand with you every year. <clears throat> as you take those baskets of hope to the reservations, we, it is our honor because we're with you in spirit, and we pray for you while you're gone over the summer, and we look forward to when you come back and give us a word. Uh, I'm thankful for having you in my life as my friend. I'm honored to worship with you. I love you, and uh, keep up the good work. Don't grow weary, and well doing. Keep doing what you do. Amen. about to preach with that candy bar illustration that was all right we can get that we, yeah. we understand that um, and I want to commend this church because the month of March was a pretty much a record number for us in March in terms of our giving to the Lord we were able to receive in the month of March over $200,000 in tithes and offerings so, yeah. praise the Lord Praise the Lord for that. And we'll continue to give, not only financially, but above all, our lives. We had a meeting yesterday here at the church uh, just strategizing more about our outreach plans in this community and abroad. And uh, what we've done is that we've decided after meeting several times how we felt the Lord was leading that we're going to focus first on reaching J.T. Moore Middle School, which is just two miles down the road. We kind of take that from the Apostle Paul, who when he went into different cities, he went into the synagogue. That was his strategy, and from the synagogue, he was able to reach and touch the entire city. So we have been in the schools for the past, I don't know how long it's been, uh, meeting the students, learning the names of the faculty and administration, uh, sometimes coming up, meeting felt needs, but just building a bridge, a relationship that we can serve this community. And, uh, and through serving the school, we're able to provide through the food pantry because there are some students who don't have enough food. So we're able to step up there. And so we have a food pantry at the church. Many of you drop things off weekly into the box. And then we also have a clothes closet. And so we are renovating the trailer that we have here that used to lug all of our chairs and stuff, but we don't have chairs anymore because we have pews. So now the trailer's since empty, so some of our people, uh, Tammy Lennox and others, they are renovating that to be a clothes closet on wheels so that we can roll up to different places and people can come on board and find some nice things. Um, we've had people donate some nice clothes. So things are happening. Uh, the Sunday after Easter, we're going to communicate more of the vision to you, what we're doing and how you can assist in serving uh, people outside of this church. And uh, and we'll just lay the vision out because we refuse to be an ingrown church. And so this summer, we're going to uh, work on this facility. Uh, for instance, we want to have a playground. We have a playground area, but it needs to be cleaned out and all of that stuff. So that's going to be one of our projects this summer is to work on the playground. And so I know many of you, man, that hits your Ability to make things and build things. So we're going to have all that together. Then we're doing a community garden for those of you who have a green thumb. So we're going to plant things and, again, try to bless people in the neighborhoods with that. Uh, So many ideas. Uh, We have um, our first outreach to the community. Official outreach will be the last Sunday in June. And we're going to have a family day. And you all know how we do our family days with the big blow-up games and all that stuff. And we're going to invite the community to come on out. And we're talking about ways that we can even bless the middle school, uh, maybe make a presentation to the principal, uh, Dr. Hughes, just some way to let the community know that we're in this community for the community just to serve. Um, And so as you leave today, you have an opportunity to help J.T. Moore Middle School. Um, They are in a big running uh, through Bridgestone Tire. Bridgestone is providing like a $25,000 scholarship to a school that has the most hits on a particular website. And so this is to help beautify the outside of the school, the grounds. And so JT Moore is uh, in the runnings with a school out of Michigan. And so when I was up at the school this past week, They asked me if I knew about this. And I said, yeah, because one of our men, Brother Tom, brought this to the men's ministry on Wednesday night saying, this is a way we can help the school. We can get online and vote for J.T. Moore Middle School. And so when I told the administrator that our church already knows about it, it was just another bridge built that that they saw man. you guys really do care. And so I told them and I'm going to tell our church this Sunday uh, so that if they want to get online, they can vote for this school. So if this school gets the $25,000, that will be a great thing. So uh, as you exit today, you'll get this flyer, and it will show you how to get online and vote for J.T. Moore. All right? Amen. Let's go over to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Yeah. I think God has a word for you. I know he does. Whenever the Bible is open, God is speaking. So whenever the Bible is communicated, God is communicating to us. Acts chapter 12. Let me begin by saying that today is Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday that commemorates when our Lord rode victoriously and triumphantly into the city of Jerusalem upon the foal of a donkey to shouts of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he fulfilled Old Testament scripture because he came to Jerusalem, humble the king, lowly riding on the foal of a donkey. And for that moment, the people recognized his majesty. For that moment, the people recognized his messiahship. And they laid the palm branches down and they gave Jesus the glory and the honor that is due him. Uh, but we know that during this week, what we call Passion Week, things would drastically change. Where Jesus would go from being loved upon to being hated upon to the point of being arrested, falsely tried, scourged, beaten, and crucified. And so this coming Sunday, we'll, we'll come together and we'll worship a resurrected Savior. We worship him now. He's resurrected. Uh, But as far as the calendar is concerned, we're reminded that Jesus Christ died and rose again on Passover weekend. So in the Jewish economy, they had various feasts where the people would come into Jerusalem from all over the world to celebrate and worship God. One of those feasts happened to be the Feast of Passover where they would come and celebrate how God delivered them from the Egyptians By the blood of the lamb that protected them from the death angel. It passed over when it saw the blood. So every year they were to celebrate that and come back to Jerusalem. And look at how God's uh, sovereign timing is that he allowed his son to be the Passover lamb on that particular weekend. When people were in town celebrating what God did in the past. Many of them not knowing what God was doing in the present to free us from sin. And so we'll celebrate not only his death, which is what Good Friday is all about. We'll, we'll, we'll reflect about the cross and, and our sin and, and how he died for us because he loves us. But then we'll celebrate on Sunday the blessed resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is a Passover season and Passover is all about deliverance. Deliverance, not only for the Jewish people as they think about where God brought them from out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, but where God has brought us from out of bondage to sin and to Satan and to the world, that we have been set free. We've been delivered by the blood of the lamb and we have been justified based on his resurrection. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are loved. God casts out fear. We are blessed, blessed, blessed. So Passover is about deliverance. It's about victory. But just so that we don't think that that is just something that should be left in the past or something that should only be talked about when I think about how God delivered me from my sin as far as saving me, I kind of want to give you a message today to let you know that God continues to deliver, that he has delivered and he is delivering And he will deliver you and he will deliver me no matter what we're going through because that is the God we serve. He is a great deliverer. So today we're going to read a story about a deliverance that occurred on Passover. Acts chapter 12 verse 1. And the Bible reads, now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread, which is another term for Passover. Remember, they were to not let the bread rise. You know, go ahead and eat it uh, now. Eat it in haste. Verse 4, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was worrying. Is that what your Bible said? Uh, Peter was Frantic. Is that what your Bible says? No, no. My Bible says Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hand. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them "...of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people." So God still delivers on Passover... God still delivers on Easter, and so we see that Peter was sleeping the night before his impending execution, so I thought I would entitle this message today, A Sleepover on Passover. (laughs) Can you give me a minute, just try to make this right? A sleepover on Passover. (laughs) Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the king of all the earth. We thank you that your son is Lord over all. We thank you that Satan is defeated. We thank you for the power that you've given us through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that this word would encourage your people who are in the throes of it. You tell us that if we desire to live godly in Christ, we will suffer persecution. And Lord, that is our heart. We desire to live for you. You've told us that if we lose our lives for your sake, that's when we find it. And so every day throughout the week, Lord, we are decreasing that Christ may increase. We are engaging in a good warfare, fighting a good fight. And sometimes, Lord, we get weary, we get tired, we even get discouraged. I pray that today you would send a word and heal your people and that you would remind us that you allow these persecutions and these trials and tests to come into our lives. Not to break us, but to build us. So strengthen our hands. Use me, Lord, as a broken vessel. Speak through me today, but above all, speak to me while I'm preaching. And I'll give you the glory, for I ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. A sleepover at Passover. So the question of the day is how in the world could Peter sleep? On the night of his impending execution how could he sleep what would you do if that were you that you knew in the morning you were going to die because the king who has authority had already killed one of your friends that you've done ministry with for a lot of years Three and a half years with Jesus did Peter and James do ministry together. And then for several years leading up to the events in Acts 12, these men were friends, and James was beheaded. And so Peter knows in the morning he is going to be killed. How is it that he's sleeping? How does he have such peace? Because sometimes I don't sleep well if I know I've got a big meeting the next day, or some of you may have an exam the next day, or a job interview, or something going on in your life that may cause you to lose some sleep. But this man is about to be executed, and he's sleeping like a bug in a rug. So, how, how, how? Because I believe once we tap into what Peter understood. I think many of us are going to sleep better than we've ever slept in a long time. We're going to sleep good. We're going to sleep well. Uh, So so let's start looking at this passage. Let's go back to verse 1. How did this man sleep like that? Well, verse 1 says, Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. This is Herod Agrippa and he is the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great is the one who is known for killing people in his own family, as well as the one who killed all the children when Jesus was born, all the children two years of age and under. So there's a lot of blood in the family, starting with grandpa. But then this Herod is also the nephew of Herod Antipas. And Herod Antipas is the Herod who killed John the Baptist, who had John the Baptist beheaded while in prison. And so again, there's a lot of murder in this family. And so now this Herod, who had been given the throne by the Romans, this Herod, who is what is called an Edomite or an Edomian, so he's not of full Jewish blood, but he's got some Jewish ancestry in him. And from a political standpoint, the Jews really don't accept the Herods. Because the Herods are not only mixed, but they've also been placed there as puppet kings by the Romans. And so in order for this Herod to earn the favor of the Jewish people, he begins to kill apostles. And as he does that, he believes he's incurring favor because the Jewish people, many of them, did not accept this new thing called Christianity. They did not accept this thing called the way. That's what the earlier Christians were called. It was called the way. And so as he uh, placated to their desires, he was hoping to gain more political clout from them. So it says in verse 1 that he stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. And notice that he's coming straight against the leadership of the church. He's going to grab James, an apostle. The Bible says he's going to kill him. Now, when you look at this phrase that he stretched out his hand against the church, really what we see here is uh, the spirit operating behind King Herod. And the spirit of death and murder comes from Satan. So Satan is operating through Herod as he's stretching out his hand to harm the body of Jesus Christ. So he's stretching out his hand and any church that chooses to be a lighthouse for Jesus. Any church that reaches out into the community the way the church at Jerusalem did, They helped the widows, they helped the orphans, they redistributed wealth, they served people, and above all, they preached the gospel, and men and women were coming to a saving faith in Christ. And so this church in Jerusalem was a threat to the kingdom of darkness. It was unlocking a lot of gates of hell, and captives were being set free on a daily basis, so therefore Satan had to counter against this church through Herod, and he stretched forth his hand to harass the church. This is spiritual warfare that manifests itself in physical casualties. It's real. And so the spirit is behind Herod, just as when you read in the Old Testament, the king of Tyre, there was a spirit operating behind the king, and that was a satanic spirit. But what I love about the Bible is that when I'm reading through the Bible, I pick up phrases. I pick up phrases. And when I pick them up, I put them together. And so over in Acts chapter 4, in the earlier days of the church, there was great victory going on. Even in the face of persecution, there will always be persecution. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says the church started praying together. And it says in verse 29, now, Lord, look on their threats. They're being threatened. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Anybody got any boldness today in Jesus? Because the enemy want to take your boldness away. Verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. This was their prayer. They were asking God to stretch out his hand and perform signs and wonders and to do the miraculous. So we see that Satan is stretching forth his hand to destroy the church, but the church is asking God to stretch forth his hand and bless the church and work through the church. There's always a hand coming at this church. There's always a hand. There will always be a satanic hand coming against this church in any church that represents Jesus Christ but that's why the people of God have to pray because there's this hand, I see this hand, but there is another hand that's mightier than that hand, and this is the hand of God. So God, stretch forth your hand and override that hand of evil. And so we must be a praying church to believe that. And so in Acts 12, the enemy's working, but so is God. Verse 2, then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, no doubt had him decapitated. Now, this James is the brother of John. They were called the sons of thunder. Um, and there was a story told in Matthew chapter 20 when mama had come to Jesus with her two sons, James and John, asking Jesus, can my boys sit on your right hand and on your left hand in your kingdom? And Jesus said, are you sure you know what you're asking? Are they able to drink the cup That I'm about to drink, and he was talking about suffering, that if you want these seats, you're going to have to drink some suffering. Do do your boys know what mama you getting them into? And Mama, like, yeah, uh uh-huh. And Jesus, I tell you what, it's not for me to determine who sits on my right and on my left. That's up to my father. But guess what? Your sons will still drink a cup of suffering. Now, the thing is, John's suffering was different from James's suffering. John is the one who gave us the gospel of John, the epistles of John, and also the book of Revelation, which he wrote while in exile on the island of Patmos. So John's persecution and his suffering was one of being exiled, of being imprisoned. However, his brother James had a different kind of persecution because here we see he had his head chopped off. And so the boys suffered persecution just like all of the apostles suffered persecution. They died cruel deaths, if we were to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. So they did suffer greatly for Jesus. But what we're about to see, though, is that God had a different plan for Peter. Herod was successful in killing James only, only, only because God allowed it to happen. Only because God allowed it to happen. But he would not allow that to happen with Peter because right now it wasn't Peter's time. That was James' time. His work was up, but Peter still had work to do. We see a sovereign God here, the one who doesn't treat everybody the same way, but he does love us all the same. The, The problem we have in the body of Christ is that we think God is supposed to work on me the same way he's working on you, and vice versa. No, no, no. God works with each of us differently. Just like in your family, your kids are different. You spend time with each one of them. You know their traits, and you know their desires and their passions. You don't use the same method or the same speech with each child. You recognize that each child is different. And so God sees that there is something different with all of us, but he loves us all the same. Verse 3, and because he saw that killing James pleased the Jews... Remember, he's trying to get their political backing. He proceeded further to seize Peter also. So let's grab another leader. The way to hit the church is to come after the leadership. So that's how the enemy works, just the way Joe Lewis boxed. When Joe Lewis boxed, he had a philosophy that said, if you kill the head, the body will soon die. And so as you kill the head, you think you're killing Jesus. But no, he got up from the grave. And as the enemy then hits the head of the church as far as leaders, he thinks he's taking the church down. But no, 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 really the church is getting stronger. And so he seizes Peter, and he does it during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. Why did he put four squads of soldiers on his brother? Four squads of soldiers is 16 soldiers who work through the day probably with, uh, uh, let's see here, four-hour shifts, and, and they're coming in there. And the way they would do this is there would be two of them chained to Peter at all times. Then there would be two outside the door at all times. Then they would rotate... On the clock and two more would come in on their shift and chain up to the Apostle two more would take the door and they would keep doing this 16 of them on one man why because earlier in the book of Acts Peter and his guys they had gotten arrested they've been arrested twice and on one time they got arrested they were uh, uh, released miraculously and so the people were like how did they get out of prison well you and I know when we read the Bible an angel came and got them out of prison So what Herod, what the world is trying to do is they're trying to stop God from being God and from God doing miracles. So what they're trying to do is clamp Peter down because last time he got out unawares to them. I didn't get out. He ain't getting out this time. We gonna clamp him down. The world should have known you can't clamp down God's people and when God is moving, because the last time they tried to do that was with the tomb when they sealed the tomb and set a guard on the tomb. But the Lord said, "Uh uh-uh, let me roll this stone away. And we didn't roll this stone away so that Jesus could walk out. No, the stone was rolled away so the world could look in and say, he ain't up in there. He ascended already. He got up. So you set a guard. You put a Roman seal. You can't stop the resurrection. You put 16 soldiers on God's man. You can't stop what God is about to do because God in one person is still a majority. Do I have a witness in here? Because if he is for you, who in the world can be against you? Doesn't mean the enemy won't come. Doesn't mean he won't set up uh, barricades against you and to put uh, soldiers against you. Doesn't mean that they won't try to chain you down. But when we recognize who is with us, we can chill and even go to sleep. We can, we can have a sleepover on Passover. So it says in verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but <laughs> constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. That's the most powerful weapon of the church is intercession. It's praise. Tearing down the fortresses of the enemy with spiritual weaponry. Man, standing in the gap, praying in the spirit, man, praying, pray. the church started praying James, one of their leaders, had already been killed. Now, Peter, whom some would say, man, was the guy that Jesus really looked to as the leader of the leaders. He was the first among equals. And so the church starts praying. Never, ever, ever underestimate the powers of your prayer. Never underestimate the power of a praying church. And that's why Jesus said that, my house, my church, shall be called a house of what? Prayer. For all nations. So when we have our festival of prayer on the first Wednesdays, oh, those are some sweet times where we get in the presence of God and we call on the name of the Lord to be our deliverer, to be our conqueror, where we uh, get reacquainted. We get into intimacy with him. There's nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. And so the church started praying, Lord, get Peter out. Lord, get our leader out. Now, we know he's going to get out. So God is going to hear the prayers of the saints. One writer has said, the angel came and freed Peter. But the angel only came because the church asked for God to send help. So because the church prayed, the angel was sent and the angel freed Peter. But what's interesting about this church is that when Peter got freed and came to the prayer meeting where the church was, because they were praying all night, they were praying all night. You commend them for that. Lord, free Peter. Lord, free Peter. Lord, send an angel. Lord, free Peter. Peter gets freed. Peter comes and knocks on the door of the prayer meeting, and little Rhoda answers the door, and and Peter, you know, he's a wanted man, probably has on an orange jumpsuit, Williamson (laughs) County or Davidson (laughs) County written on it. He's escaped from prison. He's sticking out like a sore thumb. She knocks on the door. It's Peter. She shuts the door, (laughs) goes back into the prayer meeting and says, it's Peter out there at the door, y'all. God has delivered our prayer requests on the front door of the church, what we've been asking for. Well, what did the people inside say? Open the door and let them in. No, that's not what they said. They said, Amara, that must be his angel out there. So we can pray and pray and pray, and that's proof that we don't even have perfect faith as we pray. And this is where God... Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I know you can do this job thing. Lord, I know you can fix this car. Lord, I know you can give me a house. Lord, I know you can heal this body. Lord, I know you can turn this situation around. Lord, I know you can heal this. But we still sometimes have these places of doubt. And I'm so glad that God's faithfulness to us is not based upon our faithfulness to him because he remains faithful even when we waver, even when we struggle. Does he want us to have strong faith? Of course. But we're not going to have perfect faith until we get to heaven. So Peter gets out, but the church is praying. Verse 6, and when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping. Any snores in the house? Let me ask uh, those who are married. Uh, if you sleep with a snorer, would you just raise your hand? If you sleep with a snorer. I see some couples not raising their hand. That must mean both of y'all snore. <laughs> Brother sleeping. The day before, Herod's going to bring him out. And the Bible says that he is bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. Oh, boy. Jesus said that we all have an angel. Children have angels, and those angels don't depart. So there was an angel assigned to you from God. So while we're in the natural realm right now, in the invisible spiritual realm right now, if you know Jesus, there's an angel standing with you right now. They're here with us right now. They are standing. You have an angel I have an angel. Now, some of us put our angels through a lot of work. We, you know, we're walking on stuff. An angel got to catch us, and, you know. But we all have angels. And they do warfare for us in ways we don't even know. They minister. They minister. They serve us in ways we don't even know. Sometimes they even take physical form. Don't let that freak you out. But we see it in this passage. The angel takes physical form. So we all have angels. And there's an angel standing by Peter and a light shone in the prison. So when the angel comes in, he's an angel, a being of light. So when he comes in, man, it's dark, but, man, the light shines when the angel walks in. Peter is sleeping so deep and soundly that the light doesn't even wake him up. Some of y'all are light sleepers. If anything moves, y'all are getting up. Others of us are sound sleepers. My wife will tell you, I don't hear anything once I get into the third heaven. I don't hear anything. Lights, I'm gone. And so obviously Peter was a deep sleeper, and maybe God had caused the soldiers to be asleep. We don't know. The angel comes in, and he struck Peter on the side. So the light comes in. uh, That boy ain't getting up. So the angel's like, hey, man, get up. I'm here for your deliverance, bruh. The Bible says, he says to Peter, arise quickly. In other words, get up. And get up now. I know you're chained to something. I know you're being persecuted and oppressed, but get up now. Don't get up tomorrow because you're going to stay in bed another day and grieve. Get up now. Get up now. And when he got up, the Bible says his chains fell off his hands. Allow me to take a little preacher leeway here to say that some of us have a lot of chains on us, and we sing break every chain, break every chain, but them chains keep rattling. I'm here to say that sometimes the chains will not fall off until we make a decision. We make a choice to get up out of the bed of despair, out of the prison of persecution and gloom and doom. When we choose to get up, all of a sudden, chains fall off. When God says get up get up and not only get up how about lifting up your head to the hills from whence cometh your help how about lifting up your hands to the father of lights and bless him because when you lift your head and you lift your hands and you lift your voice chains from the enemy cannot stay shackled on us when we choose to praise and bless God Anyhow, like Paul and Silas did when they were in prison in the book of Acts, they began to sing. And the Bible says around midnight that prison started shaking and the chains were loose because they were praising God in spite of their circumstances. Sister Cynthia is here today. And about three weeks ago, she laid her husband to rest. And a lot of people couldn't understand the joy she had they kept saying are you all right <laughs> like yeah i'm all right the joy of the lord is my strength my husband and i were prepared for this moment death has no sting and no victory here my husband is about to depart and go to a place that's greater oh yeah i'm real good you see when a christian acts normally other christians think it's abnormal <laughs> you really are rejoicing in the faith? uh-huh to the point where during the repass, she called her pastor out on the floor as one of Frank's songs was playing, one of the upbeat songs, I don't know which one it was, Get Down On It or Celebrate, I don't know which one it was. She said, come on, pastor, let's show my family how we do at Strong Tower. And we went out there at the repass and started doing the bump. Mm. Mm. There were no chains on her. Because she chose to bless God. And when I'm going through something, man, the enemy doesn't want me to bless God. My flesh doesn't want to bless God and say that you're good all the time and all the time you're good. Because what happens is as I start praying, the the atmosphere starts shifting. And the more I bless God, Uh, That book back in the day from Frank Peretti, uh, This Present Darkness, when he talked about the angels we had, and this is a literary uh, license that he had, he talked about as we began to pray and worship, our angels would get stronger, (laughs) and they would get muscles the more we prayed. Now, again, I can see that in my mind. I don't see that in the Bible, but I do know when I begin to praise God, something happens. The devil can't stay where God is lifted up. He always wants to bring us down, but God wants to lift us up. Oh, my. So the angel says, verse 8, I'm coming back to that. I got to sit on that in a minute. Hold on. I'm coming back for part 2. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. Now, I'm here to set you free in ways you can't be set free. Them chains are coming off. Okay, God did that. We're about to get out this prison. God is going to do that. Doors are going to open for you. God is going to do that. But the least you can do is put your shoes on and your sandals on, all right? Because God isn't going to do for you what you're supposed to do for yourself. Don't you sit there and wait for God to do everything for you. Let God do the miraculous and the impossible. We still have a responsibility. Man, I can at least put my shoes on. I can put my clothes on. I have a part to do in this thing. I'm working with God, not against God. I'm not sitting here like a limp doll. You got to do everything. No, what's my part? What is my part? I'm going to bless them. I'm going to praise them. I'm going to read my word. I'm coming to church. I'm going to love people. I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and leave room for you to do what only you can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the angel said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. Put on your garment. Again, let me just enter into this for a sec. Put on your garment. Don't put on somebody else's garment. Put on your garment. And uh, where I've been living lately, God has been telling me to put on my garment. What you talking about, pastor? Well, because of trials and tests... In the various vicissitudes of life that punch me down into a hellhole of sorrow, gloom, and despair... The Holy Spirit met me there because when I hit rock bottom, God reminded me that he was the rock at the bottom and he said, it's time for you to change your coat, brother. I said, Lord, what you talking about? He took me over to Psalm 30. He took me over to Isaiah 61. He said, man, give me those morning clothes you got on. Here, take this coat of praise and worship. Put on this garment of praise. Man, get off that gloomy stuff and put your clothes of worship and praise on. And man, when I put my new coat on, because sometimes in the morning when I'm praying, the warfare is so intense, the Lord whispers in my ear and says, put your cloak of praise on, put on the garment, and I start putting them on, oh my goodness, stuff start changing, stuff start happening, and so I'm here to tell anybody struggling today, put your garment on, put your garment of praise on, praise him anyhow. Take off those gloomy clothes, those grieving clothes, those mourning clothes, those clothes of depression, and then put on your clothes of resurrection power, of deliverance from God, the God who changes things in an instant. Put them on. Put them on. The devil hates when you get dressed. Put them on. Put them on. In church, put them on. We're sitting here and we worshiping, and we don't know if we really want to worship. We don't know. Man, put your garment on and start praising God up in here. Don't put on somebody else's praise because they can't praise God for you. They can't praise God like you, but you put on your praise. <laughs> yeah, and when you put it on, things change. Verse 9, so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. So when you are walking with God, When you are doing what God has for you, there will be resistance. There will be chains. There will be opposition. The enemy will stretch out his hand against you. He'll stretch out his hand against the church, but you continue to walk with the Lord. He will set you free. As a matter of fact, when you come up against a closed door, the Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 3 that Jesus is able to open up doors that no man can shut, and he can even shut doors that no man can open. So when this gate, this iron gate, this impediment opened by itself, That was the power of God, the love of God, the grace of God, saying to Peter, I am with you, and the proof that I'm with you is that I'm opening up doors that you cannot open for yourself. Is there anybody here that needs a door open? You need God to do something. You need God to to make a way out of no way. I'm here to let you know he still opens up iron gates by themselves. He don't need you to push on it. He just needs you to wait by it and watch him do his thing and just open that thing up. Lord, somebody needs an open door today. Lord, would you open it? And while they're waiting on you to open the door, like one person said, I'm going to praise you in the hallway because I still got on my garments of praise. While I'm waiting for you to open it, I, Lord, I'm going to praise you. My God, it just opened by itself. And Peter said in verse 11, and when he had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me. On Passover weekend, he's delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Oh, he delivered me from Herod. Now, Herod, he's going to get dealt with. He didn't get dealt with right then and there for messing with God's people, but he got dealt with even before the chapter changed. Because the end of the chapter talks about how he was given a speech one day And the people said, oh, a God is speaking. Whoa, this man, what oratorical skills he had. And so he didn't give God the glory. So God is being merciful to him that he didn't take him out for killing James and harassing Peter. God let him live. And some of us, when we see the wicked live, we get discouraged. But the Bible says don't fret about the prosperity of the wicked. God's going to deal with them because there's some people you thought God should have killed already. Because they didn't mess you over. Like, God, I, I'm your anointed. You said don't reach your hand against my anointing. God's so patient. And the truth is, I want God to be patient with me, but not necessarily patient with other people. But Herod is alive. But on this particular day, brother didn't give up praise, so God struck him. He sent an angel and struck him. And a few days later, brother died from a bad case of worms. His bowels was jacked up, and the brother <laughs> passed away. <laughs> so God dealt with the enemy. Isn't it good to know that God not only defeated the enemy on the cross, rendered a death blow to his head when he died on the cross and resurrected from the grave, and I'm going to stomp all over the de- I'm stomping on his head right now. But there is coming a day where he's going to cast that bum into the lake of fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. And so how did Peter sleep, y'all? Peter slept because... He has some peace. You can only sleep when you have peace. He he slept because he had peace. Because the Holy Spirit comes to bring peace. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to give you peace, but not as the world gives you peace. When he comes, the comforter will be in you. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in the believers. And I, I need to let you know something, that the Peter you read about in the book of Acts is completely different than the Peter you read about in the Gospels. He's matured, he's grown. How? The Holy Spirit was sanctifying him and encouraging him and walking with him and empowering him. And so God was doing a work in Peter because when you have peace, you can go to sleep. So often I'm asking God to do a work around me, but I'm not always asking God to do a work in me. I want him to fix this thing, but I'm not really asking him to fix me. But the way God works many times is that he's not so much concerned about the thing around me. He's concerned about what's going on in me. I want him to speak peace to what's going on on the job or speak peace to what's going on in my family. No, God is like, I want to speak peace to the rumblings in your soul. Because once I get you straight, it really don't matter what go on around you. Because sometimes if God does something around us, but he's not doing the work in us, once the thing around us dissipates, Then we're right back to square one of worrying, struggling. But God is like, no, let me deal with that thing in you first that can give you peace amid the storm. Whether I pay that bill or not, whether I come through that way or not, I'm going to do a work in you that can cause you to sleep and chill out. That's what he's doing. Peter had that. Peter also had a word. When you got a word, man, you could be at rest. What was the word? Jesus told him in John 21, you will die when you're old. Peter's looking at that thing in Acts 12, like, wait a minute now, I ain't that old yet. (laughs) Jesus said, I'm gonna die when I'm old. I ain't old yet. Uh, We ain't got nobody old in here, right? You still got life in you, you kicking, you strong. And so Jesus told him, he gave him a prophetic word. When you were young, you did what you wanted, but when you are old, they will lead you. And the Bible talks about how he would glorify God by his death. So Peter's like, this ain't the time. I'm still young and vibrant. Mm -mm, No, no, no. You see, when you get a word from God, you can stand. When God gives you a word, I ain't talking about a word for somebody else. He gives you a word. It fills your soul and puts you at peace. You can go to sleep. But here's the thing. Yeah, you can get a word when you come to church, but that's still a secondhand word. I done chewed all over this word, and now you're going to eat on this word. It's just like the big mamas used to do back in the day. They gnaw on the food and then stick it in the baby's mouth. I know it's gross, but that's really what's going on right now. But the best food is when you feed yourself with God, because there's an anointing that continues you stuff that Pastor Chris cannot teach you. So when you get a word from God, and the only way to get a word is to get in the word. The only way to get a word is to get in the word. If your Bible sits in your car from Sunday to Sunday, you devil's food. That's what I'm here to say. You devil's food. You gotta dig in that Bible for yourself. You don't need to know Greek. You don't need to know Hebrew. You just need to know the author of the book. His name is Jesus, and the Holy Ghost gives you (laughs) interpretation skills in the book. Just read it. He'll start talking to you. He'll give you a word. He'll give you a word. Peter had a word. He said, man, I'm going to sleep. He also had experience. This is the third time I've been locked up. First two times he got me out. He's the same God who got me out the first time. The second time, I don't think his eyes are blind and his ears are deaf and his arms are too short. He's the same yesterday, today, if ever. He got me out once, got me out twice. He can get me out of this one, too. He had experience. And then he had no fear of death. Death, where's your sting? grave, where's your victory? Jesus told me don't fear him who can only kill the body, has no power over the soul. Y'all don't have any power over my soul. God has my soul. What can you do to me? The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the light in my salvation. What can you do to me? You can't do anything to me. So he didn't fear man. He did not fear death. And another reason he didn't fear death is that the one you trusted in, you got to see with your own eyes that he beat death when you touched his side, when you Touch the scar you saw him ascend up to heaven so you know there's life after death so what can you do to me but too many of us are afraid of death we don't need to be afraid of death death It's not a period, it's just a comma and a gateway to get us into the presence of the Lord. as Christians to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So Peter's like, go ahead and take me out because I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to see my Jesus. So what can you do to me? You can't take Jesus away from me. Death can't take Jesus away from me. But then finally, brother had prayer. He had prayer support. One of the reasons he's sleeping is because the church is up. He's sleeping, but the church is praying. And there's nothing like feeling the prayers of the saints. I got to tell you that now. Christy said while they were in Israel, she could feel our prayers. You ever been going through something and you could feel the prayers of the saints? And it may not be the whole church, because the whole church may not know your situation, but there are saints in your circle who know what you're going through, and they're praying for your son while he's in the hospital. They're praying for you, and you can feel the prayer of the saints. And as we said today, all of a sudden, we start mounting up with wings as eagles. We're floating and flying when before we were dragging along, what happened? Something broke in the spiritual realm. Somebody was interceding. Somebody was standing in the gap, and then all of a sudden, joy came in your soul. All of a sudden, peace came, and now you just, how can you sleep in a time like this? There's no need for me to try to stay awake because God is already awake and he's watching over the city and he don't need my help watching. So one of us need to go to sleep. And since he don't sleep or slumber, guess what? I'm going down for the count. I'm going to sleep. Mm, I'm going to sleep. God. Psalm 4, he gives us sleep. So Peter slept man because he had peace. He had a word. He had an experience. He had no fear of death and there was prayer We see him responding differently Than how we see him in the Gospels why he grew up spiritually Last point You know you're growing spiritually when you don't respond the same way to the same old test Let me say it one more time You know you're growing spiritually when you don't respond the same way to the same old tests. You respond differently. This is the guy that cut people's ears off. This is the guy that will cuss you out. This is the guy who denied Jesus. Now all of a sudden, he's standing strong, going to sleep. He changed because God was working in him. Are you allowing him to work in you? Do you see spiritual growth? Would you stand to your feet right now? I want us to do something for the next three minutes. This is what I want us to do. Would you put that last slide on the board? It talks about how the first church prayed. Now, we're going to pray. Before we pray and leave, we're going to lock wrists Lock hands with people next to us. Just for about four minutes, music's going to play softly. That first church prayed, stuff happened. We want you to pray for salvation of the lost on Passover. Let's pray that people just come into church next week. You bring them, that they come. Let's pray they meet Jesus. Let's pray for deliverance for our church and leaders from evil. Satan's methods have not changed. He comes against any and every leader. In your house, whether you're a single parent, uh, you're a leader in your job, you're a leader in your home and you're married, you're a leader in the church. Warfare. It's all the time. The elders, leaders, staff, pray for us for deliverance from evil. Pray for God to send his angels to minister on our behalf. Pray for doors to open by themselves for God's people. Pray for spiritual maturity to develop in all of us. I want you right now find a group of three or four I want each person to pray now you might not be able to pray all the way from Genesis to Revelation you know we know you did but if God hits you with one of those up there that was on that screen just leave that screen up you pray for that and if you're not comfortable you just at least hold hands with someone in that circle and let them pray all right so after a season of prayer we'll conclude Christy is going to come up and dismiss us, all right? So let's pray, and pray out loud. None of that silent stuff, pray out loud. So let's get in circles right now, and let's look at that list, and you know how to pray. Let the Lord lead you. Let's pray. Devil's been working, but God is working too. Father, in the name of Jesus.
1: Lord, as we lift our voices to you this morning, uh, Father, we thank you that you hear our prayers. Lord, as we call these things out to you this morning, as we raise these knees, these requests before your throne, Lord, thank you that through Jesus Christ, we have direct access to your throne. Lord, thank you that because of Jesus Christ, we can pray anywhere. But, Lord, we come together this morning as just one of your local churches in all the earth. Lord, when I think about there are Christians in the entire globe this morning holding hands and praying to you. And, Lord, it will never stop amazing me at how you hear every prayer in every tongue, in every language, uttered in every corner of the earth, and that you alone are able to answer those prayers, Lord. Father, as we leave out from here today, we pray that we would walk out with that peace. Lord, would you continue to mature us so that we will respond differently in our test, Lord. Father, you've been changing my prayers lately. You've been asking me to stop asking you that things would be easy, but that I would struggle well before you, Lord. So for all the things that we're persevering, would you help us to struggle well until you bring the deliverance. Lord, we lift up our eyes to the hills. We know exactly where our help comes from. It comes from you, Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You will not let our foot slip. You who watch over us, Lord, you neither slumber nor sleep. Lord, we can sleep in peace like Peter because of your vigilant eye. It's always upon us. Lord, thank you for your great love. Thank you for this message today, for this worship today. Lord, I know my own heart is so encouraged as I leave out on this Sabbath, this Palm Sunday. Lord, you are good, and what you do is good. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you for communing with us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And Strong Tower family, before we dismiss today, we just want to let you know. That it is the week of Passover and we're not just going to read about Passover, but we're actually going to come together this Wednesday night and experience the Passover Seder. Join us from 6.30 to 8 p.m. right in our fellowship hall this Wednesday night. I'm so excited. We have a Jewish Messianic rabbi who is going to come facilitate a Messianic Seder for us. And we're gonna to get to experience these things. It's something for the entire family. There are things for the children to do. There are things for the teens to do. There are things for us to do. Sometimes I hear a message like this morning and I just wanna respond, I wanna move, I wanna act. And this Wednesday night, we get to come together and celebrate what God has done. The Jewish people all over the world are gonna to get together this week and they're gonna remember how God brought them out of Egypt. And I don't know about you, but I am a Gentile Christian, but God has also brought me out of my Egypt. He has taken me from the dominion of darkness, and he has placed me in the dominion of light. So if God has delivered you, from your own Egypt, if he has set your feet on solid ground. We're going to celebrate God this Wednesday night together through the Passover Seder. So join us 6 30 to 8 p.m. this Wednesday night. I love it when I go to weddings and you get to go to the reception. There's always a toast for the couple. We're going to come out this Wednesday night and we're going to toast God for who he is and his amazing love and work in our lives. So have a great week, Strong Tower. We'll see you Wednesday night for our Passover Seder. Be blessed.